You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I'm Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com, and of course, I will answer as many as I can. Just in case you haven't looked at the calendar, we are in Passover mode, which for most women is quite frightening, and for most um, men, it means to not hang out in the house. That was not said in any type of women's lib or liberal type of uh, comment. Um, it's just uh, in many homes. This is the time we start cleaning out all the bread. We want to get all the bread out of the way. We clean the house. It's not spring cleaning. And uh, as I found over the years, generally speaking, um, I'm more in the way than actually helpful. So if my help is to be out of the house and do shopping, that's exactly what I will do. So the last show, I started a story and I was unable to finish the story. So let me put us back to where we were, get us back into the story. It's really a fantastic story, certainly for this week's story portion. Um, So let me just get back into it and then I'll get into some uh, other stuff. So Parashas Vayakel, the Torah portion of Vayakel, it starts out, Moses gathers the Jewish people, and he talks about keeping the Sabbath. Then, after that um, couple-verse discussion about keeping the Sabbath, then Moses starts to talk about the building of the tabernacle. So the question is why these two things are connected. Why is Sabbath followed, keeping Sabbath followed by the Mishkan? So it teaches us a lot of laws because, interesting enough, the Torah never really tells us what you could or can't do on Sabbath. It says you can't work. Well, what does that mean? So I can't go into my job, but I can go play golf. Like, what does it mean? So the rabbis explain the juxtaposition is that whatever it took to build, create the Mishkan, any of those things in the process, you cannot do on Sabbath. So, for example... Um, either they needed to make the dyes to color the wool or they had to make the showbread. So anything involved in the bread or dye-making process is forbidden on the Sabbath. I actually just finished my class. The school um, had a program which, as far as I know, should have, wa- should have wound down already. Uh, for my class, we finished a few weeks ago. Now it's Passover time. You got to... You got to do Passover stuff. But anyways, we did what's called the order of bread as whatever's involved in the process, which is plowing, planting, um, um, what we'll call, I mean, anything planting is all the weeding and the watering. Um, then you have the the harvesting and you have the gathering and you have the threshing and you have the winnowing. That's when you like throw it up in the air and the wind blows away the chaff. Right now we have combine machines, so we don't even know what it is. Um, 
Then we have the grinding, right, turning into flour, and then we separate out the the bigger the bigger stones and stuff that got mixed in, and then we get to the the um, the kneading, right, when you turn it into a dough, and then we get into the actual baking process, and then we get to the eating process. No, 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 no. The eating is fine. You're allowed to eat. It's just the making it you can't do. In any case, um, that's one of the reasons that Vayakel, we start out talking about the Sabbath and then the Mishkan so we can learn what you could and can't do on the Sabbath. And the a second reason why the next to each other is to tell us you cannot build the Mishkan, the tabernacle, the place where God's presence will come down because the Jewish people um, did the sacrifice to the golden calf so instead of God's presence being everywhere, God said, make me a tabernacle and my presence will be in the tabernacle, but you don't deserve that it should be everywhere. But, God says, you can't, as important as the tabernacle, the Mishkan is, you cannot build the tabernacle on the Sabbath. And that's, that really goes to teach us a, um, a very, very important um, point. And that point is that we are busy deciding what God wants. I know this is so important to God, for sure God wants me to do it. Where God actually tells us, no, no, the Sabbath is so important to me that as important as the tabernacle is, you can't do the tabernacle you cannot build it, create it, build it on the Sabbath. I don't want you to do it. There are things that God allows. In other words, when there's like a negative command and a positive command, there are places where God allows, um, for example, to, um, to, to do things on Sabbath that shouldn't be allowed. For example, circumcision. A baby boy whose his eighth day is on the Sabbath, you can do the circumcision on the Sabbath. God allows that. Even though it's causing him to bleed, you're allowed. You could bring sacrifices in the temple, even though you're killing animals, and even though you're putting things on the fire, you can do those things on the Sabbath. But it's got to be that God said you could do it on the Sabbath, or any other example of something that God says not to do, and He makes an exception. But we don't get to decide what those exceptions are. God can tell me the exceptions. I, as a human, don't get to say, well, I think God would really, really want me to do this. I know I know your Torah says you can't do it. I know, but, but really, really, I'm so smart. I have it all figured out. I know that God really, really wants me to do this, and God understands, and therefore I'm allowed to do it. And God understands, and God has his rules and regulations, but we as people don't get to tell God what he would rather have. He already told us what he wants. Okay, that is to catch us up from the last show talking about the the juxtaposition of keeping Sabbath and building the tabernacle. Now let's get to the story. So, the story takes place in Bnei Brak, the city in Jerusalem. It's a suburb of Tel Aviv, a very, very religious, orthodox community. And there is a seminary there, a girls' seminary that's like a post-high school called the Erechaim Seminary, and a lot of the girls there are becoming religious, or they're recently religious, their backgrounds are not as strong. 
And at least at the time of the story, the head of the seminary was Reb Moshe Pardo. There are certain cities in Israel that you do not drive a car around. There are certain areas you don't drive a car in Sabbath. It's a totally, I would say, 100% orthodox neighborhood. And why are you driving a car in their neighborhood? No one that drives cars on the Sabbath. Driving a car through is just trying to be... Um, to just be bothersome, just to get in people's way, just to trouble people. There's no reason for it. So certain areas of Jerusalem, these areas of B'nai Brak, you don't drive a car there. And if you do, they're going to yell and scream at you because in their mind, you're just trying to, to that's a good way to say it, yeah? You're trying to show I am not like you and you can't tell me what to do. I may not be telling you what to do, but why are you telling me what to do? Like, why are you coming to my neighborhood to show that you don't want to be orthodox like me? So don't be orthodox. Don't be religious. No problem. But you don't have to, you know, I'm not parading in your neighborhood telling you what you have to do. So don't parade in my neighborhood. I would like you to be religious, but I'm not, I'm not, you know, shoving it down your throat. Okay. So a car comes racing through this B'nai Brak neighborhood and people are, are coming out and yelling and screaming and this car pulls up right in front of the seminary. And people are yelling and screaming. So this Ramesha Pardo comes out and he tells everybody, get out of here. I don't know what the guy's doing here, but you got to get out of here. Don't be yelling and screaming at him. I'll take care of him. Okay, the crowd disperses and... The, a man gets out of the car, says, I need my sister. My sister's in the seminary. I need my sister. I said, okay, just who's your sister? What's the name? Um, what happened? Well, our father passed away, and the funeral is right now, and I have come to pick her up. Like, nobody called, nobody said, nobody told anybody. The girl is already religious. She's not going to get in the car, right? Um. So what would you do? Clearly this person who just drove up to pick up his sister has no idea. He doesn't know from Sabbath. He doesn't know. He doesn't realize that his sister's not going to get in the car with him. He doesn't realize the commotion he's creating. He doesn't understand. He doesn't understand. So what do you do when you meet a person who doesn't understand? Do you have the skill? Do you have the care and concern the to 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 help, right? Without fighting, without yelling, without screaming. Do you are, are you smart enough? Can you can you figure it out? So this Ramesha says to him, you know, can we? Is it possible to delay the funeral for a few hours? No, no, we we can't delay. No, no. You know, you don't understand. If this. If it's this special girl from our seminary, if it's her father, she has hundreds of friends. And her friends would love to go to the funeral to mourn and cry over their friend's father. Their friend's father passed away. They want to go to the funeral. But they're not going to be able to come. They will not come on the Sabbath. But if you can push off the funeral for a few hours, you know, the law is even though we don't like to delay a funeral. But if it would honor the person who passed away, then we are allowed to delay a funeral for a couple hours to let those friends and relatives arrive for the funeral. 
And if you can delay the funeral, then I, I assure you, we'll, we'll have busloads of girls who want to come. And I, the Zemai Spirit says, I will speak. I will honor your father by the funeral. So they actually got this brother to not go back. He must have made a phone call. Um, to wait till the Sabbath was over. They got busloads of girls to go from the seminary with their friend to the funeral. So you can imagine what would have been probably a small little funeral. All of a sudden there are hundreds and hundreds of girls that came to the funeral in honor of their friend, obviously. And this Ramesh Pardo spoke, right? What a tremendous honor. Right? All because he had the ability, no fighting, right? You just imagine, right? What we call a Kiddush Hashem, right? Um, you can imagine the family's feelings. At first, they were probably furious. What do you mean, delaying? You're forcing your religion down our throat. We're not forcing our religion down anybody's throat. We're not forcing anybody anything. But if you could talk, back, if we could have a conversation, if we can have a conversation and 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 forget about Sabbath, forget about Sabbath, right? We just have a conversation, and and we can make everybody happy, right? Without fighting, look what we can accomplish. Now, of course, after such a a uh, a uh, a happening, right? You can only imagine, right? The family's feelings towards this Rabbi Pardo. And my understanding is, I can't say all, but many of the siblings in that family actually did become religious afterwards. But really a very beautiful story, but a story about Shabbos, a story about the Sabbath, because that's what we're, we're, we're talking about over here. It's this week is the Torah portion about the Sabbath. And to understand that Sabbath is so important to God, it overrides other stuff that we in our own brains would say, well, this is really much more important, so God would understand. And we're trying to point out that, no, God does not understand. God told us what he wants. He wants you to keep the Sabbath. You'll just have to build the tabernacle during the rest of the week. So it's actually, as I, 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 we said in the last show, it's really what we call a double portion. If an average Torah portion has, you know, 100 to 120 verses... So now it's double. There's about 212 verses in this week's Torah portion. It's called Vayakel Pekude. Pekude also happens to be the last Torah portion in the book of Exodus. So we are actually wrapping up the book of Exodus. It's, uh, we talked about when we started the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus is the creation of the Jewish people. So look what it takes to create the Jewish people. We had to be slaves for, well, the verse says 400 years, but for 210 years, if you do the math, we had to leave Egypt, we had to go through the Red Sea, had to have the splitting of the Red Sea, we had to get the Torah, um, then we had to be commanded about the tabernacle, and God will bring his presence down into the tabernacle. So now we got it. We were slaves, had to get the idol worship out of our system. We had to accept God, we had to accept his Torah, and then we had to build a, not a very big building, but we had to build a tabernacle for God's presence to come down and the Jewish people 
encamps around the tabernacle, and now, now we are the Jewish people. But let's let's get into some of the details of this fascinating Torah portion called Pekude, which means counting. So if you're an accountant, you might actually appreciate this Torah portion. So they've collected the gold, the silver, the copper, and, and all the wool and the materials. They're getting ready to build. And Moses has to give an accounting. He doesn't have to, you would think. But he actually does. Moses gives an accounting of how much gold was raised, how much silver was raised. Now, again, silver is a, is a little funny. It wasn't donations. Everybody had to, that was a tax. Everyone had to give a half a silver coin, and with it they made these silver sockets that went under the beams for the walls of the tabernacle of the Mishkan. And the little bit left over was for hooks. So that was, but there's an accounting there, how much silver was collected, how much gold was collected. Now you read through the Torah portion to see what it was used for. Most of the gold was used for coverings. And it was the ark, right, the urin, um, is a wooden box with gold on the inside and the outside, and then a gold cover and the cherubs. And the showbread table, the table was a wooden table covered in gold. Okay, the menorah was solid gold. Um, the the altar inside was covered in gold. All the all the beams were covered in gold. Um, the for the for the multicolored tapestry, the Mishkan covering, the gold S hooks. Those were actually made of solid gold. Um, for the most part, uh, that's it. There was gold thread in some of the things, and and uh, the the breastplate was made of gold. But Moses has to give an accounting of how, of how much gold was collected. Moses has to give an accounting of how much copper was collected. And the question is why? He collected it. We built it. Uh, Moses is the leader. He's the... He is the spiritual leader. He is the he's the one that talks to God. What's he has to give an accounting for? You, you, don't, you don't trust Moses, right? the one that God is talking to the whole time? Him you don't trust? How could that be? So the answer is, when you work for a charitable organization, you have to be transparent. Now, you know, every politician nowadays says, oh, well, will be very transparent until they get into politics and they realize that you can't tell people everything. You, you really can't. Right? You can't, you know, and I have internal meetings in, in school. Of course we're transparent, but, but there are certain people, situations that come up. You cannot tell everybody about every meeting that goes on, any board meeting that goes on. There are, there are things that are private, we're dealing with people and lives. You cannot talk about everything. But over here, in this case, when you're involved in charity, you need to have open books. And interesting enough, here in this town, we're involved with the Federation. We receive wonderful funds from the Federation to help us in our work. And the Federation expects us to give them open books. They want to see our books. And every once in a while, I don't remember how, how often it is, um, there's actually an audit, right? How much money is coming in? How much money is being spent? How is your money being spent? They want to know. And it's, it's a, a good thing for an organization that someone should have a clue of what's coming and what's going 
and and to be transparent. No one says they have to go ahead and actually um, tell them how much money each of my donors gives. That much maybe is a little unfair, and they don't ask for that. They may look at our list and see. They may ask us who some of our big donors are, and we have no problem telling them who our bigger donors are. But but they just have to see what's coming in, what's going out. It's real audits. It's real books. And it's important. Right? And that is what Moses was doing in the beginning of the Torah portion. He was being transparent. So there's a couple numbers. There's a couple numbers that come up in the Torah portion. There were 100 sockets. Is that important? See, well, everything's important. The question is, do we know why it's important? So the number 100 is a great number. First of all, there's 100 blessings that we try to make every day. We try to say, Baruch Hashem, with blessings, 100 every day. That number 100 actually comes from the time of King David. There was some type of plague going on. And uh, the, to counteract that plague, they started. They instituted that a person should be careful to say 100 blessings a day. There's all kinds of stories with rabbis that um, they would ask the host for like a fruit and maybe a vegetable, and then they would leave it on the table. So the host said, like, what happened? Well, I thought that I was going to be short a blessing or two, and it turned out they called me up to the Torah, so I got the extra blessing I was missing, so I didn't need it. And that was the purpose of the food was not because they were hungry. The purpose of the food was they might need to make a blessing. They don't need to make the blessing. They don't need to eat the food. They do need to make the blessing. They do need to eat the food. Um, another number that comes up in the Torah portion is 18. 18 is our, is our Shemon Esrei, is the Amidah, is when we, we pray three times a day and all the blessings that we, we praise God and thank God and ask things from God. There's 18 blessings. The truth is there's 19 because one was added after the Second Temple, but it was always called 18. So there's something of 18 in this Torah portion. The whole Torah portion keeps repeating a certain line over and over and over again. It's amazing because it just seems to be so superfluous. Yeah, that's a good word. Right. Um, what, what am I talking about? Every time when Moses was looking at all the stuff that they built, it keeps saying, Kasher Tziva Hashem es Moshe, like God commanded Moses. They made the ark, like God commanded Moses. They made the table, like God commanded Moses. They made the, the beams and the curtains and the, and the tapestries, like God commanded Moses. W- why do we repeat this phrase 18 times? Like, I get it. Right? Just say they built everything, like God commanded Moses. Like, what's this 18? So it's interesting, when they, when they created, when they made the golden calf, the reason the Jewish people made the golden calf well, or the, the impetus was that they thought they knew what got, what they needed, right? They thought Moses had died. They thought Moses was in heaven. But they thought Moses wasn't coming back. So they said, we need a replacement, a go-between between us and God. And now there's no Moses, so Aaron can't do it. Whatever they thought Aaron can't do it, I don't know. But they decided that the only conduit they could use would be this golden calf. So they did what they thought was right. And it was the whole building of the calf was they were doing what they, as a, as a group, thought was a good idea. 
the the counteraction to that, the way to repent, is I do exactly what God tells me to do. It has not, It doesn't matter what I think. It matters what God is commanding me to do. That's how they did the tshuva, the repentance. I'm doing what God tells me to do. Now what I think is the right thing. And there already is the music, and it's unbelievable. I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to all wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you to one production team. We have David in the back. I hope I've left you with some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on Enos Dreamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it.